The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show, Hi, y'all. So you're getting another like not recorded ahead of time episode for me. (laughs) I don't ever know if y'all like get tired of me. (laughs) Um, like posting podcasts that are like recorded ahead of time. I mean, it doesn't matter, sis, because ultimately it's still my decision, but I just, I just wanted to let y'all know that this is a real time episode. So you're not like listening, like, oh my God, is this, is this a real time or is this just Rylan talking for real, for real? So it's me talking for real, for real. Hey girl, welcome back to another episode of the show. Um, I'm really excited about this week's episode. This is actually a shift from, um, what I did last week, um, it's part two of the how to overcome spiritual apathy episode, uh, which I recorded last week. And I'll be honest with y'all. I was so nervous to share that episode for a couple of reasons. First of all, I do know and am very aware that a lot of people that listen to my podcast listen to me because of the relevancy and the relatability that I bring to my audience as it relates to the real life walk of what it looks like to be a Christian that is or may have struggled with mental health issues in the past and breaking that stigma of mental health and Christians exploring um, what it means to deal with their trauma and also building relationship with God. Like I recognize that that's what people come to my podcast for. But here and there, sometimes, you know, it's very hard to still be transparent fully um, because it is so vulnerable and it is so transparent about the real feelings that we often all feel that I can kind of find myself holding back a lot about what I really feel because judgment or, you know, not wanting to lead people astray or am I saying the right thing or all of that. And I also always recognize that before I press record. I'm always telling God, you know, bless this podcast, bless this time that I'm talking and let it be helpful to other people. And I got a lot of feedback back from last week's episode about how it was where y'all were currently at in your season, how the episode was so on time, how you recognize that that's where you were. And so I really think that I'm going to go a little bit deeper this time about what this looks like and hopefully offer some perspective on the deep rootedness of what apathy can look like 
where this disinterest comes from and really how it can impact the way we view God and just the way we navigate through our personal walk with Christ. Um, and to be honest, again, like I'm no Bible scholar. I'm not a theologian girl. I'm just a regular, regular black girl from Memphis who loves the Lord and has struggled in the past with depression and anxiety and true spiritual trauma. Um, and also just trauma in general from childhood. So like, you know, like that's my lens. That's what we're going to work with. And that's what we're going to do. So I wanted to give, (laughs) I wanted to just give that perspective as a means to like, tell y'all where I'm at. So much of what I talked about last week in the episode was just the overall definition of spiritual apathy, my experience with it, and some ways to like work to overcome it. But I want to go a little bit deeper into the potential causes of spiritual apathy and also to provide a lens that ties us all back to Christ and really, and also ties in some mental health perspective Um, based on just kind of like my expertise within mental health um, and then my own personal journey within mental health as well. Um, And so I was listening to a sermon that one of my girls, one of my friends sent me, um, and I'm going to link it in the show notes. And I promise you all, please go listen to it. Um, I haven't heard a sermon in a while that brought me to tears And this sermon brought me to tears. It was by a pastor named Darius Daniels. And it's called, I Hate This Church. And he gave a very deep context um, and explanation of the overwhelm emotionally that church has caused a lot of people. Um, And I think it was a pre-recorded sermon at like the top of the pandemic. So this was like the time when church was closing. And and in addition to me talking about this, I'm going to add some very like real emotional um, challenges that happened during the holiday season and during like the time shift. And especially this happening during the middle of a pandemic that can impact our emotions, um, impact the way we're functioning emotionally during this time. And so a lot of what he described was just the overwhelm of the church and really kind of what I feel like a lot of us millennials feel about religion, but we've grown up in religion and can kind of be enamored with just a lot of perspectives based off what we grew up seeing, like our parents do, or especially I would probably say for like the Southern church, um, just what we saw our parents do as a means to like say that this is what you have to do in order to be a Christian. And he, he broke down a lot of those contexts, but also gave the perspective of Jesus And I think that not a lot of places now still really just tie things back to Christ, who is the center, who is the top head. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And no one's like really tying it back to Christ and the word of God. 
And I was so overwhelmed by it because of the current place that I'm in. And if you're not on my email list, please sign up for my email list because I shared a private podcast with my email list earlier this week about where I've been in my rest season as I prep for maternity leave. And God has really, really, really been dealing with me on my performance, perfectionism, mentality and just this like tying everything that I do accomplishments wise to my relationship with him almost to the point to where it was becoming unhealthy because I noticed as I have been kind of like I put a lot of stuff down as it relates to my business and a lot of goals that I wanted to have going into the next year, just because I physically and mentally don't have the mental capacity to do that right now. And also too, I have a tendency to overload myself or feel obligated to sell something or do something because of Black Friday. And truly like, y'all, I don't care. Like, I don't want to sell anything for Black Friday. (laughs) Like, I just don't. I may run a sale on my time management masterclass, but that may be it. And I may just like put it up and just like not really tell people because I just am like at this point of, I don't want to push myself right now when I'm about to literally have a baby, because I remember earlier this year being so in grind mode that I remember telling my therapist, I haven't even had time to focus on this pregnancy. I haven't had time to know what I'm doing for this child. I'm supposed to bring in the world in four months, five months, because I'm so engulfed in everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And So for me in my season with this time of rest, God has been showing me performance and perfectionism and religion and really with religion, this mindset of if you're not doing this every single day or every month or treating people like you put yourself in a box or telling yourself you can't enjoy something because of this, it, it just but overwhelming religious mindset because we think that that equates to God approving us and God loving us and God being this, we have to prove ourselves in order to be his kids. And I just, I didn't realize that that was where I was at until I listened to this sermon. So please listen to it. But I also think a lot of that based off a survey of what I have asked a lot of my friends about their experience with spiritual apathy is many of them said, many of them said that they experienced spiritual apathy because they felt like they had to do something and do all these things in order to feel close to God, which overwhelmed them and tired them out. A lot of them said they also experienced like spiritual trauma where like church hurt essentially broken relationships with people who they deemed to be, you know, who they looked up to spiritually. Um, And because of that, their relationship with God was impacted or their view of God was impacted, Um, even pushing them away from church and Christianity was drove to other things. And like 
not realizing that this disinterest and like uck feeling can also even be tied to being lukewarm and like and not to say that spiritual apathy has a one-way lens I think it has multiple lenses as to what gets us to a place where we become disinterested in God or disinterested in our walk or just like the overwhelm because I do feel like there's just ebbs and flows but also too I think with your neither hot nor cold you're you're in between and like the bible says like that's not a great place to be um but the beautiful thing about that is and not to say like I say that to scare us but to also be very mindful that god wants us not to be that way and wants us to know that he desires to help us we put so much pressure on ourselves to fix everything ourselves instead of really like being okay with God changing us. We don't put enough emphasis on the fact that when those people were coming to Jesus, they were broken people. They were not, they did not have it all together. They were messed up jacked up physically, internally, mentally, emotionally. The disciples themselves had their own personalities. And because of that, they came to a, they came to Jesus and said, this is what I have and I need you to help me. And what did he do? He fixed and helped them. And what a beautiful example is the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, it wasn't this thing of Jesus punishing them. Even Judas, who Jesus knew was against him, Jesus still allowed him to be around him because there was still an example of what I'm going to show compassion regardless. And I don't think we put enough emphasis back on Christ as the means to understand that Christ's example was for the purpose of us understanding that we're looking at the father. Christ said himself, like, when you see me, you see the father. And I'm going to try to find that scripture as I'm talking so that you can um, um, know it. See the father. Um and, and and to know that Jesus is saying literally, I am, you are looking at me and you're seeing the father. Um, and so this is what the Bible says in John 14, eight through nine. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, I have been with you all this time and you still don't know me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am the father and the father is, I am in the father and the father is in me. The words I say to you and I speak my own instead is the father dwelling in me, performing his works. And so to say this, to say, we're not putting our eyes back on Christ. We're putting our eyes on all these things, y'all, that are not tied to our Savior and all these perspectives and all of these things that literally are wasted words to the trueness of Jesus is basically saying, you've been with me and you still don't know me. You don't know that 
I don't want you to feel apathetic towards me. I want you to love me and know me. And so because of that, even then, Jesus didn't scold Philip for this question. He simply used it as a teaching moment. And so if God is saying, look at Jesus or in Christ is saying, look at me to know that I'm performing the works of the father to know who I am, we have to get back to a place of wanting to know God. This is where that comes in, where it's not this religious performance lens that we unconsciously create to appease ourselves, control what we can control and try to figure it out on our own. Most of us, and I can recognize this, are literally like walking in circles trying to figure out how is it that God can love me? Or what is it that I have to do to be at a place like that person? Or compare ourselves to the successes of other people and say we're not good enough to God because he's blessed them. That's not the perspective God wants us to have towards him. It's not about a certain level of success, more so than it is about your heart posture, your con- your heart condition. God cares more about that than any of that. The disciples were literally fishermen. And so if we're really going to talk about what it means to not have these feelings, we really need to get into the mind. And I'm not speaking against having goals and going after those things or being okay with that, but also to more so the perspective of we have to know our identities again. And so we don't do that when we are not, when we're struggling with that, we become disinterested because we're trying to compare or place ourselves under a lens. And a lot of that can be tied to religion versus relationship. And, and, and instead of, again, Jesus is saying, know me, you don't know me. You want to probably hear about me, but do you really want to know me? Do you want to know how I feel towards you? And do you want to know that I love you so much that I would do anything for you? That's the, that's the heart posture of the, of the father. And so if that's the case, why are we closing ourselves off to a dad who desires to give us all these things? A lot of also too, what can come from spiritual apathy is trauma, where we have a lot of unforgiveness, we struggle with, you know, shame and worthiness and this feeling of we don't have identity in God or we have taken relationships we've had with other people and then place the blame on God for it or if it didn't go well or we're in situations that are currently toxic and we don't know how to step by step get out of it. And so we feel like we have to stay in these places or we feel like we have to do so much and we get so much anxiety and we get so much overwhelm and panic and nervousness about being around a certain person because we don't feel strong enough to voice our opinion. We get into these situations where we just close ourselves off from everybody because we feel like nobody understands us. And it's just a constant circle and battle within us. And then we are disinterested in the father. 
and we're disinterested in the works of the Lord that can happen when we really take steps to heal. And then we don't heal and we don't take the steps and we don't do the hard, really hard work. And because of that, we're, we're questioning what's happening. We become lukewarm again, or we don't seek. And I'm not saying this to say it's not hard because y'all, it's very hard. It's very, very, very challenging. I'm not even gonna lie. But at the same time, there has to be intention and we have to get to a place where we become humble enough to come to God and humble enough to come before him and make it be known that we want this to change. Um, and also too, I think another thing with trauma is there are layers to trauma. There's way more layers to trauma than just, you know, I think people tie trauma to, you know, um, I never want to weigh somebody else's, um, traumatic experience with someone else's that may have experienced something, but we weigh it and we don't realize there's so, there's so many layers to it. There's, there's parental trauma, there's relationship trauma. There could be a trauma. Like I think about pregnancy, like a trauma with a pregnancy and, and not knowing like that could really be the determining factor of someone being tore down in some way emotionally. And it's so tied to this shame of God hates us or God's angry with us or God is this. And it, and it, and it does not speak to the love of Christ. And so I, I really want to preface to say like a lot of our disinterest are deeper rooted things that we have to work on. Um, I don't have the answer to that today, sis. I wish I did. But if I can bring to your awareness this description of it, because again, I know that a lot of what I describe on this podcast gives lang- gives y'all gives y'all language to feelings and emotions that you may not know you have. But really a lot of this is you don't feel worthy enough for God to bless you with a husband. You don't feel worthy enough for God to bless you with a job. You don't feel worthy enough for God to bless you with a child. You don't feel worthy enough for God to bless you with this or this. And so, or you don't feel, or you feel like I've, I've done all these things. You make a list of all of your transgressions. And then because of that, you've solidified in your mind, I'm not good enough. And so you don't even take the steps to try or your mind or your, or your spiritual upbringing has conditioned you to feel like you're not good enough. And so because of that, you just turned yourself off completely to God based off of a perspective that wasn't even loving in the first place. Why would, why would a God want to beat you up that loves you? Why would Jesus be teaching about love and the love of God and the love of the father and all these things? And Paul is talking about the love of Jesus and who we are in God and the identity we have to then, then have the perspective that this God that we serve wants to beat us up emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically with all these things. And that's the perspective we have. And so then you get turned off by him because you don't even really have a true, authentic lens of the father. 
The Pharisees were only thinking of in tradition. The old covenant was performance. The old covenant was this, you have to do all these things to be pure in God. The old covenant, the old Testament is what I'm talking about. A new covenant, which is, which is Jesus doesn't say that. It says, come to me, be my kid, believe in me and know your faith is what saves you. We're saved by grace, not by works. And so because of that, y'all, we have tied our identity to this negative mindset and called it Christian. I don't want to say it's called Christianity because I mean, I mean, I don't know what I can say to that, but we've just tied it to this negative point of view. And then we compare and have shame and have a lack of worthiness and we feel like we can't heal. And when it's hard, we give up and then we just immediately put God on the back burner when that's not his heart posture. God has boundaries. He gives us boundaries. You're allowed to have boundaries. You're allowed to say, no, you're allowed to not be in in relationships that are toxic. You're allowed to recognize when things are toxic and move yourself away. Like those are things that are important to know. But because we've been so conditioned mentally and emotionally to think that this is where we have to stay, we don't take the steps to work through it. And so then we become spiritually apathetic. We become very like closed off. I hope I'm making sense and I hope this is like helping you. So I say all this to say like I wanted to describe this to you because for me in wrapping it up to say what it was like for me, it was a understanding that my foundation has to be love with God. Everything else builds off of that. So like in order for me to have kind of gotten out of this spiritual apathetic place, I had to recognize the trauma that I had with religion, the trauma I had with growing up in church, really kind of being taught, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And how that impacted my view of God. Also, my trauma with my father and how abandonment and disappointment and consistent rejection, consistent emotional rejection, consistent, even now as an adult, consistent emotional rejection was not God's fault. That's a huge thought process to have, to know like, God doesn't give me this rejection. This was from a person, but because this person was deemed to be, you know, the first father figure I had, that was all I knew. That must be the way God treats me. And it wasn't. And so I had to come to understand, and that took constant processing and talking to my therapist and working through those real emotional feelings of abandonment, like true abandonment is sucky because you feel like, and you automatically label people to abandon you that come into your life. You don't feel secure. You often feel like somebody, like I remember when 
me and my husband were dating. I always had this thought process. He was going to cheat on me. I just always thought he's going to cheat on me. He's going to cheat on me. He's going to cheat on me because I had already also had been in relationships with guys that had been in that situation. Plus that was what I experienced growing up, watching my father do that. And so with that being said, it just became a thing of like, that was the norm. And you don't realize how embedded it is and into your mind until you're like faced with it head on and somebody's sitting across from a chair from you saying, this is why you look at God the same way. You even may, I even probably could think like maybe now just, did I look like God loves somebody else more than he loved me? Or just all these things that you don't, these scenarios you make up in your mind or the the deep rooted trauma that the enemy will play on out of you not having the awareness. This is why the Bible says renew your mind daily with the truth, the true, the trueness. So you may know what is the good and perfect will. I don't know what the good and perfect will is if I'm not even renewing my mind with it. I'm only living in my own negative thoughts. And so for Rosalind, it was very important for me and still is extremely a priority for me to work on my mental health. And I don't care what anybody says about it. It's always going to be something I'm working on. It's always going to be something I'm coming to the father about. It's always going to be something when I have anxiety about something I'm coming to him And the Bible says when you have anxieties to cast that on him and to cast, what am I casting? I need to know what the trigger was. I need to know what the trigger is to cast it on him. If I don't have the awareness of what the trigger is, how can I address it? And this is why processing and talking to a therapist is important Because in order for you to really know how to heal, you have to know what you're dealing with. You have to know the the plight of what's in front of you. And so I say all this to say me overcoming the apathy part was me understanding that I had to put things in place that poured back into me, but also have some real come to Jesus moments of for real like, I need to come back to you. Like I can't pull myself away from you out of my own perfectionism thoughts. That doesn't mean you got to do it by yourself because you can't. Like you just literally cannot do this walk alone. I, I don't. I, I don't think that you can. There's just no way possible. And it also came to the point of like when I think about. You know, when Jesus was saying, I'm looking at the father, Jesus lived his life. He had friends. He ate good food. He went to festivals and ate and like went often away to pray. He faced his, he faced his emotions about taking on the cross with the father. Like he was so, so, so vulnerable in himself and was compassionate and was knowledgeable. He did more in three years of time than most of us ever do in life out of simply being and knowing his identity. And so I'm pretty sure it was overwhelming. I'm pretty sure he had a lot of boundaries he had to put into place. And I don't want us to suffer from this thing of like, we have to give ourselves completely to things in the name of God when we're not even looking at the example of Christ. Christ had boundaries. 
Christ said no. People asked him to do things that he didn't do. Even on the way to go raise Lazarus from the dead, people were pulling him to go do that. And people were coming to him asking for healing. And and Jesus was like, hold up, player, stop. Like, you're not finna stop what I need to do and do because you want me to get to that point. I got to handle this first. Like, that's a boundary. And he healed people in the process of that. So he knew that there were certain things he had to say yes and no to, but also he, he had a sense of understanding of his identity. And with that being said, it comes back to a thing of if we saw Jesus, would we recognize who he was? And with that being said, God doesn't want us to be apathetic towards him. He wants us to be interested. He wants us to love him. So I say all that to say that much of this can be tied to um, trauma, performance, comparison, um, really being in a place that's that's um, giving you the word, worthiness, identity, and God shame. Like we shame ourselves, y'all. Like we shame, we do something. We always go back to shoulda, woulda, coulda instead of, God, this is what I did. Teach me then how to overcome. Teach me then how to deal. It's not a means of like cast off. It's not a means of because you do this, you're casted away. It's just not. And so I I guess I'm just trying to drive the point home, girl, because I'm getting passionate. But I just wanted to like bring that in a in a deeper sense, like this ties to our mental health. This ties to the way we behave. This ties to the way we feel. And God cares about that. And so, you know, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Seek some help. Find someone who's Christian. If you are a Christian therapist, please email me. I'll leave my email in the show notes. I'm working on something where I can provide your information to my listeners on a bigger scale because I have so many people who literally ask me once a week how to find a therapist. And I really want to provide your information to people. So please send me an email with your information. I'll gather it as I'm on maternity leave. So when I come back, I can really work on that. But, um, you know, and if you have a good Christian therapist, send me their information. Like that's a two part question. You love your therapist. They're Christian. They for real Christian. They Holy Ghost field. Y'all send me their information with maybe a website, uh, a psychology today page, or just their name and phone number and email address. I would really appreciate it. Cause I'm in the process of gathering all that information. So I either may leave a form in the show notes or just my email send that to me so that I can take care of that. And so, yeah, so that's, so that's that. And I just hope that this drove this home for you all to understand what app, what spiritual apathy can look like. And God does not want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be in him and to know him. So I hope this episode blessed you. I love you so, so, so much. Be on the lookout for more content and I will talk to you all soon. Share this episode with someone. Leave a review on iTunes. I love when y'all leave reviews. I love reading them. And just tag me on Instagram if you listen to this episode. I loved it. And I'll talk to you soon. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.